we've got Celeste Katzmaston in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello, Celeste. Hello. Celeste, let's go straight to the former president, Donald Trump. Now, we know he's running for president. We know uh, this week he was convicted of uh, sexual abuse, not of rape. Um, I don't really know the fine line. I'm not into, uh, you know, I'm not a, uh, a lawyer in New York, so I don't know the fine line between the two. Um, and also of, of defamation, I think, against E. Jean Carroll, the woman who had made these accusations, which the jury found to be true. Uh, and he's gone on CNN, and it's really Donald Trump's greatest hits. The question that's being asked is, with this town hall meeting, why did CNN do it? Uh, are they going to do it for all the other candidates? Uh, and, you know, it was basically, you know, an hour or more for Donald Trump to get his discredited theories and uh, lies across to the public again. Why did CNN do it, do you think? I think that they felt that there was a compelling news argument for having him on the program, that they were going to try to, that they came into it with the expectation that he was going to be spreading the, these lies and, uh, you know, reliving some of what he considers to be his finer moments. But the fact is, he is a former sitting president of the United States who is actively running for another term. And people are going to be making a judgment about him. And uh, he has millions of supporters, millions of detractors. But this was a chance to sort of um, allow him to to be seen by the public, but in a semi-controlled environment where he was being questioned and challenged by a moderator, as opposed to a, a rally environment where uh, he would just be surrounded uh, very much unfiltered by thousands of adoring fans. But if people think that they are going to get Donald Trump to admit that he's wrong, or to, you know, retract some of the things that he has said over the years. That's just not happening. And do you think that CNN or, or Caitlin Collins was the, the moderator of this town hall meeting? Do you honestly think that the, that she thought she might get him to say, you know what, the January 6th riot was wrong. Uh, yes, I really did lose the election in, uh, in, um, you know, in uh, 2020 or any of the other things that he continues to propagate these lies. Do you think that she really thought she might get him to sort of admit that he was wrong? I doubt that obviously can't can't be in her mind, but um, at the very least, I think what it does is we can all say, well, he's been saying all these things for many years. He said them throughout his presidency. Now, as a, a candidate, again, you have, um, you know, you had an opportunity there to ask him these questions on the record, on television, in front of not only a, a live audience, uh, which included some supporters and some detractors, but you know anybody who wanted to watch it. There is, there's, there's always questions in journalism. Is your job to uh, correct the wrong, or at the very least, is your job to document? Um, where this person stands. There can now be no question that he was very, very bluntly asked questions like, would you institute a federal abortion ban? Who do you think should win the war between Ukraine and Russia? Uh, do you still think that the election in uh, 2020 was rigged? Or do you think that um, 
that will you accept the the outcome of the next election in which you are currently running? I think there is merit to asking him these questions very plainly on the record, pressing him when he doesn't want to answer these questions. Again, I think just going back, I would say briefly that a big problem with the 2016 election when he first ran, and I was a reporter actively covering that on the trail, many different states, um, and covering Trump specifically as well. I think a lot of it was the cycle sort of got away from the news media and you had major networks running um unfiltered uninterrupted rallies where this guy was making speeches making claims uh maligning people or you know you could say just laying out his his program and his ideas um but there wasn't a lot of jumping in in real time to fact check it it was good ratings people thought it was a spectacle a lot of people thought he was a joke and he could never get elected we all know that that wasn't true now so i think that this time there's sort of a big responsibility on the part of the media to quote unquote, get it right. And, you know, as, as we're having a conversation about it right now, what does that mean? Getting it right. Lots of different answers to that. Okay. So a couple of things that came out of it, as you say, he would not condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine, wouldn't condemn Putin as a war criminal either. So I suppose if people are wondering where he stood on that issue, we now know. It's not exactly clarified, but he could have come out and said they did the wrong thing, but he didn't because maybe he's worried about what the Russians have got on him. That was That's something that's been going on for a long time, whether or not there's some sort of uh, dirt file on the president that uh, Vladimir Putin has. That's one thing. We don't know if that's true. So he wouldn't condemn Russia. Every other major politician in the world uh, has, has condemned um, Russia's uh, stance. Then there was also the January 6th uh, riot, which he says he might pardon some of the people. Now, there's been a lot of people who have been convicted of, for their part. The, the most recent one was a, a bloke, I think, yesterday, who was the one who was dangling above the uh, House of Representatives. Uh, the bloke who was dressed up with the horns has been convicted. The, the, the bloke who um, took over um, uh, Nancy Pelosi's office, he's been convicted. A whole lot of people have been convicted. And yet Trump is there saying he's going to pardon some of these people. Yeah. And again, I really think it's worthwhile to get him on the record there. Now, again, as a candidate, not as a former president, not somebody who's shielded by, uh, you know, all the all the trappings and, and barriers that can be erected by the White House for a sitting president. I, I do think it's worthwhile to get him to answer these questions directly. The fact that it occurred in a town hall type environment where quote unquote regular people are able to uh, ask him questions where he had people in the audience applauding openly laughing at some of uh, some of his jokes which other people certainly would not find particularly entertaining but you know i think the the bigger issue here um is or should be that Donald Trump is not going to win just on his core supporters. There just aren't enough of them. All of those people would have to show up. Um, this country does have a variety of political views. It has a few major political parties, but within those parties, there's a big range. People are he's going to have to attract some new voters. He's going to have to retain a lot of his old voters. And all these people are going to be looking at him now with a record now with uh, investigations, with this jury verdict that just came out in the Eugene Carroll case, and they're going to have to evaluate him. So I, I do think that there is 
meaning in doing that, even though okay. it's very, very clear the difficulty of trying to keep him, uh, you know, keep him focused on answering very direct questions that he doesn't want to answer and doesn't feel he has to. But he didn't answer a lot of those questions, though, did he? Right, right. There were some that he sort of sidestepped. You know, if he says, if I were president, I would end the war in, in Ukraine in 24 hours. Okay, what would you do? Well, I would end it. Yeah, I mean, that's the same thing that we heard when he was president. That you, you know, right, so, and yet so many of those things didn't actually happen. So, you know, well, he's on the record. Yes. Oh, I'd end the war in Ukraine. He has no way of explaining how that would happen. And all the other things that he said he'd do when he was president, he didn't do them either. I mean, the wall is not built. Mexico didn't pay for it. All sorts of things. The only thing that he promised, well, I don't even know that he promised to do, but the only thing he really did that they wanted him to do was put more right-wing judges on the Supreme Court. That's exactly what's happened. Yeah, he did promise to do that for sure, and he absolutely did that and would continue doing it should the the opportunity arise. But look, it's a it's a democracy. People, it's it's a democracy, and I would add a democracy with uh, free, fair, and reliable, legitimate elections. He doesn't uh, believe to, that though. He does not uh, believe I, that the elections are free and fair. He says they're rigged. And he has had many, many, many opportunities to prove that in court, and he has not, and nobody has. Uh, you know, are there are there very isolated cases where something goes wrong, or somebody casts a ballot from an address where they used to live, or something like that? Sure, of course there are. I mean, there are millions and millions and millions of people registered to vote in this country who take advantage of that of that opportunity. But you know, this this is something that people need to hear him talking about, being asked direct questions. Okay, what would you do as president if you were elected again? And uh, People can see that and make their own decisions. That's the basis of this. It's it's right for journalists to challenge him when he's not answering a question or when he's giving a dishonest or mistaken answer to a question. But ultimately, it's up to the people, not to the papers. I suppose so. I mean, if the answer is, or if the reason this is happening is to get him to backtrack on it, that's never going to happen. So I suppose people can hear what he says and judge what he says. Because... Famously, before the last election, he said he could shoot someone dead in Times Square and not lose a single vote. Now, it seems, he can sexually abuse a woman in a fitting room at a major department store and not lose a vote. Do you think that that might be the case, that he might lose votes because it's now been proved and he's been found guilty in a court of law? He might. And, you know, we've talked about this. He has... a a core of supporters that will not abandon him for any reason, who feel that he's being mistreated by the press, that you can't trust what you read about him, that he has that that life in America was better when he was president, that he has uh, the appropriate view of the role of of the United States in the world when it comes to trade, when it comes to military uh, intervention, when it comes to welcoming or not welcoming immigration. Uh, they like what he thinks. And are they somewhat less concerned about exactly how he would accomplish all these goals or whether he's been totally honest about how much progress he's made on his campaign promises? Yeah, that that may be the case. But I don't think that just that core group of people who believe him to be 
uh, a very successful businessman or believe him to be some expert negotiator is enough to make him president again. He's going to have to convince some more people. And that includes people who didn't vote for him last time and people who did vote for him last time who may be turned off by his position on, uh, you know, the Supreme Court or his position on immigration or his position on on Ukraine Mm. uh, or how he treats women, all these things. He has to convince people. And so... I obviously can't answer, you know, on balance, how many people did he convince and how many people did he lose? But we have a ways to go before people actually have to make up their minds about that. Come back to the border in a moment. Celeste Katzmaster is our guest in Boston. But the very things, I mean, you're absolutely right, of course. There are some people who are going to support him no matter what and believe everything he says, even though he's demonstrably he's been a liar for probably his whole life, but certainly, you know, what we've known of him in politics. But the way that Bill Clinton treated women, they're only too happy to believe that because Clinton did treat women badly, but they're not happy to believe that Bill, that uh, Donald Trump does the same thing, even though we've heard him boast about it. And he didn't even retract that uh, in his deposition in this court case. He said, well, it's been going on forever. You know, a lot of celebrities do it. Um, you could say that he was soft on communism, but certainly soft on Russia, the way that he has treated that. And that in the past people would be unelectable with their attitude towards Russia that uh, Donald Trump appears to have. The way that he treats the Constitution as well and believes that that could be shredded. You know, in the past, they were the accusations against Democrats, but his supporters are only too happy to ignore all of that and project all his criticisms on the other side, as well, it, I, I find it incredible the way people believe everything this bloke says and will never, ever, ever believe that he's ever done anything wrong. It's extraordinary. It's a cult, isn't it? I think that he is truly a singular figure in American politics. There have been other politicians who have had, uh, you know, uh, problems, scandals, um, difficulties in their careers and have been able to overcome them, who left office and returned or attempted to return. Um, sometimes that doesn't work out. I mean, you know, just just as a regular reporter, I covered uh, Elliot Spitzer, the former governor of New York, who attempted to make a comeback after scandal, could not do it uh, in public life anyway. Anthony Weiner, congressman, very famously got into a lot of trouble with uh, social media, to put it mildly, um, tried to make a comeback, could not do it uh, when it came to getting another elected office. I think that a lot of people have tried to uh, embrace or adapt or straight up clone the Trump model of politics and presentation, and they have not been able to get elected. There are a lot of sort of Trumplings or Trumpites that ran for tons of different offices all across the United States. And some of them were successful, but many of them were not. It's very hard to translate uh, what he has. Uh, You know, it's very easy for them to say, I would nominate conservative justices to our local court or to our local offices. But that's not the same thing as having had a major television show on NBC for years and years. You know, He has a combination of notoriety, a combination of showmanship, uh, a mystique. Uh, you know, if you look behind some of the mystique, uh, if you look at the fights over his tax records, or if you look at his ability to uh, have a serious policy conversation, it's it's fairly easy to make arguments on some of these things that there's not a lot of there there. Mm. But we live in a sort of television age. We live in a social media uh, 
quick soundbite age where sometimes people say like, well, I like what he has to say about immigration and the conversation about how exactly you accomplish those things and who pays for it is, you know, too long didn't read, essentially. I'm truly astonished uh, from one or two texters who uh, uh, <laughs> think, oh, dear, I can't even read it. Uh, some of it is so embarrassing that people believe this. All right. Now, um, one of the things, though, about the border is the problem did not go away simply because Donald Trump uh, was not re-elected. But Joe Biden's been trying to solve the problem at the border, and he's been unable to do that as well, hasn't he? Right. So now we're looking at we're looking at actually like as of today, a major change in uh, in policy at the border, at the uh, U.S.-Mexico border specifically. There's been some restrictions in place for a while because of the pandemic, essentially um, a policy that was able to that the government was able to use to keep a lot of people out, to keep from coming onto U.S. soil and requesting asylum or starting the process. Basically, these people have been walled off and they've been living by the thousands in migrant camps on the border or waiting to come through in some other way, trying to swim across, climb across, anything. And so now some of these restrictions are going to uh, are going to end or the policies are going to change. And there are a lot of people who are sort of surging now uh, at the border to to try to get in so much, in fact, that they're actually encouraging people to not try to do this in person, but to do it through an app. There is an app for that. I haven't downloaded that app yet, um, but we shall see. But I mean, this problem's just going to go on forever, isn't it? I mean, there's no, there will never be a solution to this problem, although it's only a problem at the southern border. It's not a problem at the northern border. So we don't have millions of people from Canada trying to get to the United States, but uh, people in countries that are worse off are trying to get to the U.S. Well, I. I could be mistaken about this, but I don't think Canada has quite the same issues with, uh, you know, military governments or death yes, squads exactly right. or unfair imprisonments. Right. So, uh, you know, in the past, a lot of immigration was by air. And now it's something yeah. very different where people are coming in by land or by water and um, where originally it was people who were coming in more. So I would say people who were coming in were uh, men, either uh, single men or male householders who were coming in to find work in the United States to send money uh, back to their families or to build up a stake to have a better life in their home country. And now we're looking at whole families coming, children coming alone um, to escape uh, political persecution, uh, narco, uh, you know, uh, narco terror, crime uh, related to the drug trade, um, uh, just uh, extreme poverty, like lots of different things. Some of these conditions existed before, but we're I think we're seeing a change in who's coming and why they're coming. All righty. And just before we go, the World Health Organization just recently declared the global health emergency of the pandemic over. Uh, that's happening in Massachusetts as well. Right. So this is actually going to be the end of the public health emergency as of today uh, in Massachusetts. This is in accordance with federal policies. But basically, this this has a couple of different effects. Like you won't have to wear a mask in health facilities. It won't be required. Uh, vaccination requirements for public employees 
are also changing for that was a huge and and sort of uh, turbulent argument in the United States about requiring public employees to get the vaccine. Now that's sort of being eased up. You know, for the most part, people have already tried to uh, leave behind a lot of these restrictions, so it's not going to be walking out my door into an entirely new. Uh, section of the metaverse of of pandemic life but some of these things are being eased back could they come back in the future if there's something else yeah sure but for for now they're saying okay we're we're at a point where we can take a breath here without a mask yeah i mean they may come back but of course there comes a time a tipping point if you will where people just don't want to do it anymore and government might want to force them or you know can force them in the past but They've realised, the government realised they can't force people to wear masks if they don't want to, or they, whatever the many, many restrictions we had during the early years of uh, the pandemic, you know, at some point, the the people's will to cooperate just disappears. Yeah, I mean, even being in public transportation situations or trains or public places or airports, you just see a lot more that uh, some people are still choosing to do it. Maybe they are concerned about the fact that the virus still does exist and people are still getting sick and people are still dying. But, uh, you know, they're they're now making those choices based on something personal rather than a mandate. And most people, I, I would say, pretty much by far are choosing not to take the same kinds of precautions we saw a, a couple of years ago. All right. Look, um, the former president's not the only politician it's causing controversy or controversy swirls around him. George Santos is another one. Um, he was elected, made all sorts of claims about many things in his life. Um, I don't know. Can, we, can he be drummed out of the uh, House of Reps or what's going to happen? Well, he claims that he is still actively working, that he's going to be running for re-election, but... Uh, you know, this is this is a shocking case. I know it's a, it's sort of a localized case, local uh, to a single guy, a single congressional district. But if you have somebody elected to Congress who literally made up huge chunks of his resume about where he uh, where he came from, where he went to school, what his job was, um, you know, even things like he's he's gone under multiple names. People yeah. have complained about him. He he wouldn't give a guy money he raised for him in a, a charity drive to take care of his sick dog. It's it's bizarre. But, you know, again, I think people are going to are going to look at this and say, um, you know, is this really somebody I should be trusting to act in my best interest? But then again, you know, it's up to the voters. It really, at yeah. this point anyway, I mean, unless he gets forced out, censured or completely forced out, um, for the moment, people are going to be able to make up their own minds about him. Yeah. I wonder whether he'll get the endorsement uh, for the uh, the seat at uh, next year's election. Anyway, Celeste, we will look ahead to that next year. Uh, thank you so much. As always, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks' time. Always a pleasure. That's Celeste Katzmaston in Boston. Whew, okay.